It's kind of funny how quick your survival instincts kick in. Heat, shelter. Those were literally the only two thoughts going through my mind. And because of the first, I found myself gathering sticks like a madman. There were plenty, thanks to the number of dead or dying trees around me. Every time I saw one, I must have picked it up, stuffing them one after one into my survival bag, stick after stick. It was like I was some kid at a competition. As I came up and over a small hill, my breath caught in my throat, and I felt my chest tighten. There it sat, one of the engines from our plane. I recognized the red stripes. I moved in closer, and the thoughts of heat and shelter were replaced by Frank. Would I find him? Would his body be by the engine? I didn't see anything at first. In fact, as I got closer, it looked like the engine had been there for a bit, which didn't make any sense at all. There was no real signs of impact into the ground. In fact, it looked like some snow had even built up around the sides. I found myself now not wondering how long it had been here, but how long had I been here? How long had I been out? Before I even realized it, I found that I had crawled inside the exhaust nozzle and was just sitting there. The walls inside were shielding me from the wind and snow, and I found myself nodding to the fact that I could build a fire in here. Not enough room to sleep, of course, but enough to get warm if I had to. A fire inside a jet engine. Then I laughed. I'm not sure how long, but I couldn't stop. There was something about the ridiculousness of sitting inside a jet engine after my plane had crashed for some unknown reason and staring death in the face that struck me as damn funny. Thankfully, saner thoughts soon came back, and I crawled out and got moving. I needed to find some real shelter and more firewood. And then I heard it. That howl. It was low and mournful, and now, utterly terrifying. I mean, I always enjoyed the sound of a wolf howl from the comfort of my own couch, watching a nature program while I slowly sip some 12-year-old scotch. God, I would love some scotch. But now, freezing in the wilderness, that wolf howl might as well have been the devil himself. And unlike that bear... I had no idea how much distance I had between me and that devil. I picked up my pace and got moving. Didn't give a damn about the direction. I just moved. There was no way I could tell where the howl came from. It was echoing off the walls of the slopes around me. I just moved. There was another howl, answering the first. And I moved faster. But then, it stopped. And so did I. I had to. My heart was pounding like a jackhammer, and I was breathing so hard that every breath of that cold air was like dozens of knives in my lungs. And here's where I have to thank those damn wolves. I found myself staring at a downed tree, but the top of the tree was pointing to a small indent in the rocky slope to my side. 
As I moved closer, I discovered that the indent was actually a cave. I'd never been so happy to see a creepy dark hole in my life. I moved in carefully, and things got warmer right away. It's amazing what getting out of the wind will do for your body, but it was dark. Only about five feet inside in complete blackness. I decided to waste one of my matches. I lit it and moved in further to see what was there. I was expecting another bear, but thankfully found nothing. I debated making a fire and bedding down, but decided not to. I was pretty cold, but I had some food. No water yet, but I knew I'd be back at this cave, so I stepped back out. My niece, and probably every six-year-old, would probably hate me for what happened next. As I made my way out of the cave, this time in a much more traceable pattern, I spotted a pair of rabbits just milling about, hopping around, looking for food of their own. Food. Yep. I circled in behind them, taking a moment to scoop up a few good-sized rocks along the way. The first one never knew what hit him, clocked him right in the back of the skull. He went down with a squeal and I was on him pretty quick. Then I made the mistake of looking him in the face after picking him up. I saw the terror in its eyes. The guilt. The guilt burned in my gut, but I lowered that rabbit out of sight and twisted it like a wet towel. Not sure if I'll ever get used to that crunching noise. The cold shook me out of my thoughts and I knew I had to go after the second rabbit. Two is better than one. This one was smarter, though. Or maybe I wasn't as good a shot as I thought. Three times I threw, three times I missed. I was going to try for number four, but then I heard the wolves howl again. And even though I could tell they were far away, it was time to be done. Plus, my fingers were getting pretty stiff. Back in the cave, all my sticks were put to good use as I got a decent fire going. It wasn't until after the fire started that I took a look at my matches. It was then I realized I had no idea how to start a fire without matches. Oh sure, I knew you could rub two sticks together or use a magnifying glass to focus the sun like they always show kids doing to bugs, but how to actually do it? I had no idea. All I had left were ten. Ten matches. Ten more of these fires. Assuming I could get it started on the first try, of course. My life never seemed so tenuous as it did right then. I tried to push the thoughts out of my head. I had my heat. I had my shelter. Now, time for water. I used the little survival pot to melt some snow. I always remember just eating snow as a kid but that probably would be a mistake here. I let the water boil good and long just to be safe. I kept at it, filling up the water bladder that came in the survival bag, which was empty, of course. Cheap-ass company. By the time I got the bladder filled, I looked back at the cave entrance. I could hear the wind. It wasn't heavy, but it was there. I touched the cave wall to reassure myself that I was, for now, safe. The fire was getting low and I knew I didn't have enough firewood for the night, 
but I figured I could probably make it. I curled up inside the bedroll, and to my surprise, I went to sleep. When I woke up a few hours later, it wasn't quite dusk yet. The sun was getting low, and my mind was stuck. I'll admit I didn't really quite know what to do. I must have sat there for ten minutes or more, just doing nothing. Finally, I snapped myself out of whatever I was doing. I needed to move and be active. Stillness was death. I looked at the rabbit carcass near me. I did feel bad for it. Then my thoughts changed. I looked at that rabbit and I saw food. And if I make it work right, warmth. He wasn't a big guy, but I figured I could make a mitten or maybe a mask or a hat or something. So I tore into it. Carefully, of course. Probably too careful. A real hunter would have laughed at me, no doubt. Still, I got the job done. Separated the meat, the hide, and even decided to take some of its intestines along. There might be a use somewhere. When I got done, there was very little light left. The last slivers of it were showing through, and it wouldn't be long before I was plunged into complete darkness. I don't know if it was fear of the dark, or compulsion to cook that rabbit, but I started another fire. Nine matches. Idiot. Well, I couldn't let my mistake go to waste. I built up the flames and felt the warmth return. I didn't make a spit, so I put the rabbit as close to the flames as possible, flipping it often. Figured I could process some more water as well. When it was done cooking, I was about to eat it, but felt something inside me tell me to wait. I realized the hunger I felt was merely just fear over the possibility of running out of food. I took my own advice and set the cooked rabbit in a cold space of the cave to keep it from going bad. I drank some of my warm water, snuggled back inside my bedroll, and just watched the flames slowly die as the wind roared outside. My Quiet Apocalypse is copyright 2018 by Are You Not Entertainment and is a fictionalized account of an actual play in the video game The Long Dark, owned and produced by Hinterland Studios. For information about the game, visit hinterlandgames.com. Intro music by Nicholas Gasparini. Credit music by Gunslinger Andy. For information about the show and those behind it, please visit myquietapocalypse.com. <laughs>